Future trading involves risk and is not suitable for all investors. Content provided in this segment is meant for educational purposes and is not a solicitation to buy or sell commodities. Hello and welcome to From the Furrow, where each week we talk with subject matter experts on news and topics affecting the grain markets. I'm your host, Britt O'Connell. Temperatures aren't the only thing soaring on this beautiful Indian summer day in Wisconsin. Packer fans' tempers are heating up with the Packers dropping another (laughs) loss on Sunday night. Oh, but we still love the Packers. Let's get started with a review of today's markets. Today is Tuesday, November 1st. January soybeans are trading up 26 cents at 14.45 and a half. December corn is trading up three and a quarter at 6.94 and three quarters. Turning to our guest, this week it's our privilege to have Chip Flory, editorial director at Pro Farmer and Farm Journal Media. You may have heard him on your favorite egg radio or talk show. Chip, thanks for joining us. You bet, Brett. Glad to be here. Chip, before we jump in, uh, can you tell us a little bit about your background in ag journalism, how you got to the position you're in today, and how listeners can find your work? You bet. Absolutely, Brett. Thank you so much. Uh, grew up in eastern Iowa on a diversified farm there, and I was very active in 4-H and communications and I come to journalism. It's it's not a far leap because my mom was a journalist for seventy some years, so that that connection is is pretty strong. And of course, my dad was a farmer, and I grew up fully anticipating being a farmer. But that was in the late seventies, early eighties, and and that was a tough time to to try to make it in farming. And dad suggested that I go off and try something else. So the next thing on the list was journalism, and of course, the gift of gab that everybody says that I seem to have got me into the broadcast side of things when I was at Iowa State University in the ag journalism department there. But after I left Iowa State or graduated from Iowa State, I spent three and a half years on the floor of the Chicago Board of Trade. And that's where the bug for risk management really bit me. I was there as a reporter for a company called Futures World News, which was owned by Oster Communications. But that is where the risk management and the interest in markets really got me. At Iowa State University, my minor was socioeconomics, which is the decision-making process and what helps businesses decide how they're going to spend money going forward. So that blended right into it. And honestly, I always wanted to be a part of Pro Farmer. That goes back to the early 80s. Uh, My dad was a member of Pro Farmer, and and I saw the influence that Pro Farmer had on him and his decision making, and I just wanted to be part of the group up there. So that was my plan from high school graduation forward was to be with Pro Farmer and Oster Communications owned Futures World News, owned Pro Farmer. Uh, in 1991, I got back to Cedar Falls at the Pro Farmer headquarters, and from there, I just continued to advance uh, my knowledge, my understanding of the markets and what they mean and, and risk management strategies. And it went from being senior market analyst to the, uh, to the editor of Pro Farmer. And I was editor of Pro Farmer for 17 years until 2014, when we started this thing called Market Rally, which advanced to AgriTalk After the Bell, which is now just the second hour of AgriTalk, because the first hour of AgriTalk I took on four years ago. Uh, so I'm on from from 10 to 11 central time with the first hour of AgriTalk, which is, uh, we talk issues, we talk policy, 
uh, events uh, and, and other things that are important to the business decisions that farmers have to make. And then in the afternoon, we talk about uh, markets, markets. And, and if we run out of things to talk about in the afternoon, we'll talk about more markets. So Chip, you're, you're living uh, the, 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 your dream, right? I mean, that's, that's what it sounds like. <laughs> you know, the, the gig that I had at Pro Farmer uh, as Pro Farmer editor, it did that for 17 years. And I'm telling you, that was some of the most rewarding time that I, that, that I, I couldn't imagine not having that opportunity uh, and where I would be right now without having had that opportunity. Just the interaction with the membership, uh, the things that I learned from them, the help that as an organization, Pro Farmer was, was able to provide to the membership that was such a rewarding time in my life. It was a busy time. This is a little bit of a different role. This is uh, this is reaching out to a much larger audience with some of the same messages, but the willingness to receive those messages and the information is a whole lot different than when you are providing it to someone that is paying for a subscription to the newsletter that you are writing. The feedback is often a little bit different on, on AgriTalk than what it was for Pro Farmer, but nonetheless, it's still very rewarding. Uh, it's a reminder of how much work there is still to do in agriculture, too. I'm, I'm not saying that we've got to have a united voice on every front. There can be differences and there should be differences, but boy, there's there's a lot of work yet to do out there in in, uh, in uh, the communications front in many parts. So yeah, it's, it's, it's very rewarding and yeah, what the heck uh, I enjoy doing what I'm doing every day, Britt. So it, it seems like a dream to me. Living the dream. Well, you mentioned building relationships and that's a really key component to really anything in agriculture. This is a small tight knit industry. How do you build relationships with U S growers, fellow ag professionals, and how important are those relationships in your current role? Yeah, listen to their stories. That's the number one thing. In my role at Pro Farmer as the editor, I felt that my responsibility was to be an educator. Not only an educator of here's the things that are important today, but here's how you use that information going forward. My role today is a little bit different. I still, I can't get away from that educator's mindset in many cases. And I, I still feel a need to explain why what we are talking about is important to their decision-making process. So I continue to do that, but I'm much more of a listener today than what I was as editor of Pro Farmer. Is so my job now, as I see it, is to understand that there are that everybody's got a story to tell. It's my job to pull it out of them and to 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 get out of the way and let them tell their story. If they get on a roll. I do this with Mike all the time. If when Mike gets on a roll, I just shut up. You you got to shut up and just get out of his way and let him because he's got a message that he thinks is important to get out there. And when I was editor of Pro Farmer, I was the I, I was the same way. When I got on a podcast, a, a podcast, we weren't doing a whole lot of podcasts at that time. But if if I got on a radio program, I wanted someone to ask a question and then get out of my way and let me tell the story that I, that I need to get out there. It's my job now to, to, to give them that opportunity to tell that story. Now, if it needs some pushback, some clarification, 
uh, a different point of view, I'm willing to provide that as well and and do provide that on many occasions. But uh, it, it's more to listen now is is my job. Well, well, I hope to accomplish that today as well, Chip. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm taking on my talkative role right now. That's for sure. <laughs> Thanks for the tip. Um, you mentioned, you know, you, you've got a few radio shows, talk shows. Um, obviously, ag journalism is something that has evolved and changed over the course of your career, certainly. Do you feel like radio and some of these newer multimedia fa- uh, means of communication are gaining more traction over the written word with with our audience or how do you view this ever-changing mode of communication if you will yeah part of the tough part about a radio a syndicated radio program we've got about 110 affiliate stations out there is being interesting enough and being topical enough that when 206 in the afternoon rolls around or 1006 in the morning rolls around that people tune in. So appointment radio, appointment conversation. They know that if they're not there, they're going to be missing out on on some critical information that they either need to know or is good to know. So getting them to tune in is very important. Now we also we also make each show available as a podcast. And that has become a, a very important part of, of AgriTalk. Britt, I tell you, it, I go to Commodity Classic or a, a county cattlemen's convention or a meeting, and half of the group will come up to me and say, boy, I really enjoy your show. Uh, it's, it's, it's important for me to listen to that show every morning or whatever. The other half that comes up to talk to me of, of, about AgriTalk says, boy, I really enjoy your podcast. And it used to it used to kind of disturb me that they called it a podcast because I'm like, I'm not, it's not a podcast. It's a radio program. We are live radio. This is it's it's what we do. But when you realize how many people rely on the ability to call up that information when they want to call it up, when it fits into their schedule best. That is so important and expands our audience so much, Brett. If we would rely, if we would rely on radio only, our our audience would still be much bigger than it is if we relied on the podcast only. I get that. I get that. But the podcast has given us the ability to reach so many more people on a regular basis because of the convenience. Uh, the other thing is 110 affiliate stations is important. It's, it's critically important to the success of AgriTalk. But there are listeners outside of those, uh, those areas where we've got affiliate stations. So it broadens our reach and it just it gives us greater listenership because it's greater convenience. That's a big way that the business has changed for me. The other way that the business has changed for me is when we when I was at Pro Farmer, that's a subscription driven business. We were not a Pro Farmer still is not a brokerage. It is a news. It is an information. It is a research. It is analysis that Pro Farmer provides. And to get it, 
there was a subscription fee attached to it. This being a advertising driven model is such a different world. It took me a long time to get used to that and to get used to this this uh, format. But it is it is important. Uh, and and just the technology, Brett. When I started on the floor of the Chicago Board of Trade in 1988, when I filed a report with Futures World News, I picked up the phone, called an editor in Cedar Falls, and dictated my opening comments, my mid-session comments, and my closing comments. Uh, by the time I left, we had something that we called a Trash 80, and it was a Tandy computer, a word processor that actually had the old modems and the they look like earmuffs. You'd put the receiver of the phone into it. It'd do all the squealing and everything. You'd dial up the number, dial up the number. It wasn't even a push. Dial up the number and, and send it back. And I could transmit copy that way. And it seemed like that was the future then. Now look at what we're doing. I sit in my my basement at home. I hit one button on a piece of equipment. It connects me to the studio in South Bend, Indiana. And from there, we hook up to the Westwood One, which sends us out to 110 or 20 radio stations at the same time. It just blows me away. It's instant. A lot's changed uh, in those last 34 years. Yes, absolutely. You, you alluded to a few times the importance of finding a good story, of finding something that's relevant, that's timely, uh, that people want to listen to yeah. and find value in. So how do you find those ideas? Yeah. How do you find those stories? A couple of ways. I, I still rely on the traditional old school wire services. Uh, try to read as much as I possibly can. Uh, Pro Farmer has an incredible network that has been put been in place for uh, coming up on 45 years. Uh, this network of information sources has been in place where they feel the, the people that are in this network understand the importance of getting the information out to farmers. And I'm still part of that network. So we get heads up all the time from people that are, hey, did you see what's happening on the Mississippi? The water levels are getting very low. They're already having to shut down some of the shipments there. And so we we dive into that. Uh, Jim Wiesmeyer is an unbelievable source of information. Uh, he is the pro farmer policy analyst. And uh, Jim and I talk on a regular basis and and Jim gives me so many different ideas on where we can go. And, and and I give him ideas as well. Brian Grady, the current editor at Pro Farmer, and I share ideas all the time. Davis Michelson, my news anchor, he gives me uh, topics that we need to look in at, uh, on a regular basis. Davis is the Pro Farmer landowner editor, but he is also tracks the inputs, uh, fertilizer prices, chemical prices, uh, and, and fuel prices. So you want to talk about somebody that's valuable to have on the radio with you every day, twice a day. It's the guy that covers the inputs markets for pro farmer. You know, it's, it's, it's a pretty cool combination that we've got going there. So, and then I mentioned this with some hesitation, social media, uh, it, you know, Twitter is going through some changes. Twitter went through some terrible times. And I, I'm not sure that everything has been fixed on Twitter and we won't know for quite some time if Twitter becomes what I think Twitter should be and if it fits all the needs and, and wants that that I've got for a platform 
like Twitter. But there's no denying that you can't pick up on conversations and topics and concerns that growers are having. You've got to get things whittled down and condensed and focused on your Twitter feed to make it happen. But you can make it happen. So I, I, I look at social media trying to pick up on on what the the trends in the in the conversations are. There's no question. But it's the old reliable. You know, it's the network. Wonderful. Well, I appreciate you sharing that. So before we wrap up, yeah, can you give us any sneak peek in any big segments or stories you're working on? Maybe something that you think is going to be uh, a focus as we move forward. We're in some yeah. crazy times. Yeah, elections. You know, when we talk about the AM hour of AgriTalk, Farm Bill in 2023 is going to be one of the biggest things that we'll talk about. Well, I'm sure we'll talk about it on a daily basis. Uh, the, the, the Republican side that I have talked with going into the elections, they haven't made the assumption, but they are preparing for the GOP to take control of the House. And with that in mind, the question that I've been asking recently is how does that change things? Well, the, the assumption is that they are going to get into a deficit and debt reduction period again. The last time that that happened, we, we went through something called budget sequestration. No, not carbon sequestration, but <laughs> budget sequestration, which was if you can't agree on where you are going to cut on the different programs uh, that are out there, we just make an across the board uh, percentage cut that reduces expenses by that amount. They went through that as they were writing the last farm bill. And the nutrition side of the, the bill, which makes up what, 83, 84% of the farm bill, was didn't want to give up any ground at all, which meant that they were looking at Title I, the safety net program. Uh, they were looking at conservation spending. They were looking at crop insurance and, and those kinds of issues on where they could trim the budget. Well, if we are back to a, and the new uh, House Ag Committee chairman, if it goes GOP control, will be Glenn Thompson from Pennsylvania. He's very aware of what the process is. He's got great experience in the farm bill process. Uh, it's a good thing that the the uh, spending cuts uh, were part of the last farm bill because he's going to be looking at, at more spending cut issues again. And instead of it being an $800, $850 billion bill, it's going to be $1.1 trillion, $1.3 trillion for a farm bill that is still going to be 85% nutrition. And that means that Glenn, Representative Thompson, is going to have to figure out which urban lawmakers he can work with, which ones he can trust to take the Farm Bill story to their counterparts in, in the House and really sell something through. So that's a big story. A little bit smaller story that I'm working on, uh, starting in June, of 2023, uh, the over-the-counter antibiotics for livestock, uh, healthcare, you're not going to be able to get that from your feed supplier anymore. You're going to have to go through a veterinarian. Uh, so there's lots of issues that we talk about there. And then on the market side of thing, of course, South American crop, what's going on with Russia. Uh, those are issues that we're going to continue to cover on a regular basis. And, and uh, 
I would like to talk about a little more demand for corn and wheat. I, I, can't, <laughs> I can't guarantee that we're going to do that, but that's something that I'd sure like to talk about. Yeah, you bet. Well, there sounds like there's uh, there's going to be no shortage of things to talk about and stories to bring forward in the future. And That's right. I really appreciate you uh, joining us today, Chip. It's been a pleasure for me. And, uh, you know, we're just really thankful that you're an advocate for our industry, that you're a voice for our industry. Well, thank you. And uh, we look forward to continuing. I know I look forward to continuing to, to listen to you and, and uh, your insights and what you bring forward. So thank you again for joining us. You bet, Brad. Appreciate it. We'd also like to thank Corey Romero, our wonderful producer, and Paige, our media expert, for mixing and mastering today's show. Chip, where can our listeners find you and listen to you? Well, as far as finding me, it's really easy. On Twitter, it's at Chip Flory, F-L-O-R-Y. AgriTalk, as I said, it's on at 10.06 every morning, 2.06 in the afternoon. Go to agritalk.com. You can find the affiliate stations there. And just search for AgriTalk on your favorite podcast platform. Uh, it's it's available on all the all the platforms out there so we're pretty easy to find just come on and find it and join the conversation and if you've got a topic that you would like to see addressed on agritalk hit me up at host at agritalk.com and we'll get to it awesome thanks chip speaking of which if you've enjoyed our podcast please feel free to like it subscribe and share it with a friend Mm -hmm.